Welcome to Marksman, a podcast for men who have been marked by Christ and who are aiming their lives at Christ-likeness. I'm Mark Spellman, your host. So glad you're part of the podcast. So glad that you've decided to just hit that play button and join just a short conversation today um, as we just dig into the Word of God. It is the Word of God that transforms our life. It is the Word of God that renews our mind and helps us to think like Christ. And uh, before we get into today's teaching and conversation, I want to just again say thanks for being a part of the podcast. Hopefully you'll hit the share button. Hopefully you'll share this podcast with other men, young and old. Uh, And let's just get some more guys around the table. Let's uh, get more people involved in the conversation. And again, just want to make sure that you know you can reach out to me. I want to hear from you. You can email me at spellmanministries at gmail.com. That's S-P-E-L-L-M-A-N, ministries, plural, at gmail.com. I want to hear from you. And then also, if you haven't checked it out, go to the website, spellmanministries.org, and there you can click on a link and you can, uh, you know, get information about updates, you know, and newsletter. If you click that link and give us your email, then what we'll do each Monday is we'll send out a short devotional from Family Mission, um, from our, our ministry, and it's just a conversation starter. It's something that we want to put in your inbox. You can read it in a very short period of time, but the point is we want to spark conversation, conversation you can have with your spouse, conversation you can have with your children, your family, your brothers, your sisters in Christ. It's just a conversation starter because that's where transformation is going to take place because years ago, the Lord told me uh, as a pastor, I was, you know, um, preparing for one Sunday morning and we had actually had a uh, a roof leak in our uh, in our church, and so things were kind of disheveled. And um, to make room, we actually moved some of the furniture that was in our fellowship hall. There was a short, nice leather love seat. Um, we had a few of them, but one of them, um, which was in the line of fire, we had to move it. So um, I said, "Hey, put that up on the platform." I just, I don't know, I just saw something that morning in prayer, and so I said, "Hey, put that up on the platform." I'm going to talk about you know uh, family and 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 that kind of thing and so uh, they did it and I'm telling you this was many many years ago but I'm telling you it was uh, it was the Holy Ghost that directed me to do that because he began to really speak to me and when I saw that couch up on the platform he spoke to me as a pastor and he said listen he said if what you bring from the pulpit, on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Sunday night, you know, whatever time you gather and you speak and you teach and you preach, you share the word of God, you share the word of the Lord. If it doesn't reach the couch, if it doesn't reach the home, it's not getting into their life. And so that 
that marked me. That marked my, you know, what am I preparing for? What is the goal? What is the aim? And so you hear us often refer to, you know, conversation. You know, just have a, and that's what prayer is. Prayer is a conversation with God. And conversation is never one way. It's not just us speaking to people. It's it's a exchange. And so, again, a couple things here. I want to hear from you. Send me an email. Let's begin a conversation. Let us know if you have any prayer requests, if you have any testimonies that I can share on the air with other men that would encourage them. I'd be happy to share your testimony. And if you send me prayer requests, myself, our family will be praying for you. And also, if you have any uh, input. You know, something you want to share about uh, the podcast itself, or if you have any ideas, or if you have any questions, something you'd like to see talked about and taught on, or something like that, or have a conversation about, then please just send us an email, spellmanministries at gmail.com. And back to the conversation piece, you know, conversation again is communication. Communication. Well, communication, I learned this in college. I did pay attention to at least some in college. And uh, when I went to a communication course, I learned that 80% of effective communication, keyword effective, 80% of effective communication is listening. Listening, that's right. You might think of it, it's just, hey, make your point better, state it better, articulate it better. God, give me unction to speak what you've given. Well, um, it's not just about saying it right. Uh, real communication, real conversation is 80% listening. So if we're going to have a conversation with our spouse, we're going to have a conversation with our kids, uh, friends, family, uh, maybe you have an important conversation, need to have at work, you know, with a boss, with a, an employee, whatever the case, always remember that good and effective communication, conversation is going to be 80%, if it's effective, listening. In other words, we don't listen with our guns loaded and, you know, behind the back just waiting for them to be quiet so we can, you know, fire. Uh, no, it's it's listening. It's intentional uh, desire to understand and listen to the other person. And that, what it does is it places a value on the relationship. And when you place value on it, uh, people feel that. People feel when they're being hurt. A lot of times, you know, um, people act up, people act out because they don't feel like they're being hurt. A lot of times, young people, children, boys, girls, young and old, all the way until you can you can have 80 years under your belt. And if you don't feel like you're being heard, you're going to act out. Um, there's something important about being heard, and it's because it, it's it's feeling valued. You know, you might have heard me say this before, that sometimes people may not remember what you or what they heard you say, but they will remember how you made them feel. Uh, it's a truth I learned years ago, and it's really proven to be true. Um, you might have the very answer they need, but if how they feel in your presence shuts them down, puts their walls up, um, you know, they might 
might have eyes open, but the lights aren't on. You know what I'm saying? You know, Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He wasn't saying, you know, if you got those little flappy appendages on the side of your head, you're good. No, he said, you got to have an ear to hear. And if you look at the word heart, H-E-A-R-T, what's the center of your heart? It's an ear, E-A-R. So listening and having an ear to hear is really about the the posture of your heart. And again, you might have the answer your your boss needs or your employee needs or your spouse needs or your children need, but how do they feel in your presence? Because how they feel in your presence will determine whether or not their heart, the ear of their real life, the ear of their spirit, the ear of their soul, even opens up to hear it. You know, a lot of times, you know, we talk about this at Family Mission. If you've been a part of any of our services or conferences or maybe other podcasts, you've heard us talk about remove the threat, removing the threat. You know, years ago when I did prison ministry, we we did it for about 20 years. Um, and one of the times I went in every year, of course, for recurring training. But one of the times I went in for recurring training, one of the things that they offered was a, a quick little course on uh, what to do in case of a hostage situation. And of course, I paid attention to that. I thought, wow, I didn't, you know, you're going into prison and you assume that you would let that sink in. But, you know, you, you're going in, you're, you know, you're preaching, you're teaching, you're basically doing a church service in a prison, but you're doing a church service. And, you know, these men were hungry for Christ. I mean, these men were seeking God. And so you jump, sometimes you just forgot you were actually in prison. I mean, these were amazing men, amazing. These are these are men that are going to be a part of our family forever throughout all eternity. And, they, and there was there was men in prison. I promise you, there are men in prison that I ministered to that were more free than some people I've ministered to outside the walls of a prison. Now, I'm just going to let that sink in because that is a truth. There, there were men there that were more free in Christ, in their identity, their value, their purpose in Christ, their freedom and liberty they had found in Christ, had them living and thinking from a more free place than some people that I've ministered to that are outside the walls of a prison and are just so bound up. So, But here's the point. I would do that recurring training, and, and during that, that uh, uh, hostage training— the professional talking to us said, listen, here's basically what you're going to do. If something develops, you're basically going to do what you're told, you know, because help is on the way. You know, they wanted to assure us not to fear help is on the way. But in, in communicating that to us, they said, just do what you're told. Don't try to be a don't try to be a maverick. Don't be to try to be the savior. Just know that the professionals are coming. Help is on the way. And then the, he began to explain. He said, because here's why you want the professionals to handle it. He said, because professionals, we when we come in, we know how to neutralize the threat. We know how to neutralize the threat. Because here's what he said next, and it marked my thinking forever. You Maybe you've heard me share this because it's such a powerful truth. He said, because all communication ceases in a threat environment all communication. It just ceases. You might be speaking words, you might be talking back and forth, but you're not communicating because you're not listening. And you're not listening. Why? Because you perceive a threat. You don't perceive that that person has your good in mind. 
And so therefore, for whatever reason, you shut down, you don't listen, you posture, you try to manipulate, you try to control. Fear is leading the the conversation, not faith, not love, not hope, not God. And so he, of course, wasn't preaching, teaching, no communication. He was just talking about, you know, solving a hostage crisis. But here's the point. We have all been hostage to lies. We have all been hostage to addiction. We have all been hostage to the darkness that's in this world. And Jesus came to set us free. And that's why he hung on that cross, stretched out those arms, and said these words, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then he finally gave up the ghost and released his spirit when he said, It is Finished. Why did he say those words? Why did he do what he did? Because he wanted the world to know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever would just believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. And verse 17, don't forget this, John three sixteen and 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved. So again, he, he's on that cross, yeah, revealing that we need a Savior. I mean, it's to bring conviction of our sin, but it's also to bring conviction of God's love and his pursuit and his relentless, unstoppable love that came to save us, heal us, restore us, and allow us to experience a divine reset. You know, it's one of the things you see in Genesis 45 when Joseph is revealing himself to his brothers, brothers that had threw his life away, brothers that had rejected him, brothers that were jealous of him, brothers that envied him, brothers that basically eventually hated him and tried to remove him. We're gonna, they were going to kill him. But, you know, the oldest brother, Reuben, thank God for him, he said, hey, guys, we can't have this guy's blood on our hands. I mean, we know we want him gone, but let's let's think of another option. And eventually they decide, OK, let's just throw him in a pit. And then in, later they saw the opportunity for money and some some guys were walking by and they actually sold Joseph into slavery. So they got what they wanted. He wasn't killed. He wasn't murdered, but he was out of their life. And so you can imagine what is going on in the soul of Joseph. He's been thrown away. He's hated by his brothers. And all he did was share a dream that God gave him. This was a God-given dream. God revealed to Joseph the future, and Joseph shared that. And in sharing the God-given dream, he got nothing but rejected, hated, despised, envious, persecuted. Eventually, his life was thrown away and good riddance from all his brothers. Can you imagine emotionally where he could be had not he walked with God? as he walked with God in what was appearing to be slavery. He was a slave in Potiphar's house, and his troubles didn't stop with his brothers. He did right. He did good. God blessed him. Even Potiphar himself said, God has blessed my home because of you. And he he put him over all his affairs. He promoted Joseph. Even though he's a slave, he was promoted by Potiphar, put in charge of you know all the affairs of his home. Virtually everything was under Potiphar, uh, Joseph's rule and, and authority. 
The only thing was his wife was not, of course, under his rule. Well, she got the hots for Joseph. She made a move continually and continually, and he rejected and rejected. And finally, one time she was determined to have him, but he was equally as determined to not violate his master, Potiphar, or his God. And he fled from her. And she ripped his coat off, then formulated a lie that he had assaulted her. So now he gets thrown into prison. I mean, can you imagine emotionally where Joseph would be? His family has rejected him. He he's all kinds of people are believing lies about him. He's now in prison and they're in prison deeper into slavery. He still rises because through it all. He had been marked by Christ. Now, not not Jesus Christ like we know him, but I'm talking about the love of God, the plan, the purpose of God for his life, the, the covenant that he had with God. He never let go. You know, when Potiphar recognized that God was with him, he says, I recognize God was with him. You know, and if you read the marginal reference of the Passion Translation, it talks about, it says specifically, the reason God was with him was because God was always on his lips. It refers to that in the, if you read some of the marginal marginal, uh, teachings there in the Passion Translation of the Genesis account, it says God was with Joseph because God was always on his lips. He was always giving glory to God. He was unashamed to reference that God was the one that was giving him the wisdom, giving him the direction, giving him the ability, giving him the grace. He always gave God the glory. Potiphar recognized it, and he also recognized his house was blessed. But then when he heard from his wife that Joseph had assaulted him, he couldn't, you know, you could imagine how confused he was, but he thought, man, this guy's got to go. He must have been just an imposter. He must have been just a fraud. He must have just been a fake, a phony. Well, how many how many times do you hear that in the world today? You know, people that, you know, uh, they just don't understand what's going on. Sometimes they'll see what's happening in a Christian's life, and, and maybe there's some facts that just don't seem to add up, and all they can conclude is, well, they're just a fake. They're just a phony. They're just a fraud. And, uh, and it may be not even the truth. It wasn't for Joseph. He was upstanding, completely integrous. And yet because of facts which appeared, because not everything we see is right. You know, what we see can be deceiving. So don't, we we just got to be so careful, men, not to jump to conclusions. Be slow to speak, slow to anger, the Bible says, because it's so easy to jump to a conclusion. It's so easy to just run with what the first report is, you know, but we got to be slow because many times what we see can, can appear one way, but it's actually another. And so it was with Joseph, but here's what happened. Joseph, uh, he held to his integrity. He held to his faith. He held to God and his covenant with God, and he held on to the dream. And I hope I'm talking to somebody today. He held on to the dream. I want you to hold on to your dream. 
It doesn't matter what's happened, how long it's went in the wrong direction. There is a trajectory to faith. If you've played any golf, you you understand this, that if you're going to putt on certain greens, you sometimes have to putt clear to the left, uphill, to get that ball to to roll through the grade and down the curve and then and gently down into the hole. It may you may be completely aimed a different direction, but if you trust the the process, the ball eventually goes in the cup. Right speed, right tra- trajectory, and all of that. Well, that's how it is a lot of times in faith. God has us aimed, and he, he showed us where he's taken us, but sometimes it seems like our life is going in a different direction, a weird direction, a painful direction, a confusing direction. But trust the process. Trust your God. Trust his word. Trust his promise. Trust that prophetic utterance. Trust that dream. If you know it was from God, don't let go. Joseph didn't let go and he held on. And so now in prison, God's promoting him again. And he's actually, you read about it, he's actually encouraging people in the prison. He asked the butler and the baker, these were guys that Pharaoh had thrown into prison. And he encouraged them one day, said, hey guys, why are you so cast down? I mean, they could have said, hey, bro, we're in prison, <laughs> but no, he's encouraging his fellow uh, prison mates. And he said, hey, why are you also cast down? And they told him about what happened. And and uh, well, later on, they had a dream. And so they came to Joseph because Joseph had told them about a dream. And so Joseph said, hey, I'll, I'll seek God. And so he gave them an interpretation of the dream. And one was a, a blessing. The guy got released and back to Pharaoh. The other was equally as true, but not a blessing. He was actually condemned to death and was his head was taken off. So, uh, But that was the interpretation of the dream. So Joseph's integrity, he not only gave the encouraging word, he gave the hard word. I mean, and it shows Joseph's integrity. And as men of integrity, sometimes we have to be willing to give the encouraging word, you know, the pat on the back. But sometimes we got to be willing to speak a hard truth, one that's not going to make someone necessarily feel good. It may not be what they want to hear. And again, that was an extreme example with Joseph where the interpretation was, you know, you're going to lose your head. Well, he still was integrous in the sense that he gave the correct interpretation. He gave exactly what God revealed. Now, who wants to have to tell somebody you're going to have your head taken off? And again, that is an extreme example, but that sure lets us know as men of integrity, as men who've been marked by Christ, we not only give that encouraging word, but we can give when necessary a loving rebuke, a loving correction. We can even bring re- Direction in a loving way, and so he, being integrity, integrous like he was, he he gave that word. Well, then, you know the one, uh, the butler, you know, got um, restored. The baker got his head cut off, and uh, he's told the butler though, hey, when you get restored, remember me. Well. You know how people are. People forget. Well, the butler forget. Have you ever been forgotten? 
I mean, there's just so many uh, applications throughout this story as we're as we're getting into it. And believe me, I want to share this with you. I did not have this prepared for today's conversation. I'm telling you, there was a cork that just popped in my spirit, and I've just been sharing with you out of my spirit. I haven't shared anything that really I prepared to share with you. Um, not that what I prepared was bad, but man, God is really reaching out to someone here today because you're going to see in the end. When we get to Genesis 45, what is all about to come down? Because it's such a redemptive word. So men, tune in. We're not not too long, and we're going to be wrapping up. But here's Joseph. And you can read all about this. Just start in Genesis 37. Read through the end of the book of Genesis. It's an amazing journey with Joseph and his family. Such a story of redemption. Such a story of forgiveness. Such a story of covenant. God's covenant to his family and his covenant commitment to his family. And it's all played out by one lead actor in this amazing story, and it's Joseph. And this is clearly who Jesus, you know, when Jesus found himself in the Word, just like you and I find ourselves in the Word, the life of Joseph was clearly a signal and a message to what his life was all about. How many know he came like Joseph? under a divine mandate to rescue a lost family. Because what he says, in fact, I'm going to go with you now to Genesis 45, because what you eventually have happen is, even though the butler forgot Joseph, even though the butler forgot Joseph, God did not forget Joseph. And even if people forget us, even if people treat us wrong, it doesn't mean God has forgotten us, and it doesn't mean God will ever ever, ever treat us wrong. He only touches us for good. Even if he touches us to correct us, to chastise us, it is only, only, only ever for our good. It is absolutely the perfect truth. He is perfect. His love is perfect. Whether his love is encouraging us, admonishing us, or it's correcting us and rebuking us, it is for our good. And so in Genesis 45, we're going to read it in just a minute. But he was not forgotten by God. And eventually, Pharaoh gets a dream. It's so interesting. So many things are tied to dreams throughout this. God speaks through dreams. And so uh, Pharaoh has a dream, but he doesn't have the interpretation. Well, then <laughs> then the butler remembered, oh, there was this dude in prison. Uh, man, God gave me a dream, and God gave the, the, the baker. Remember, the baker, you cut his head off. God gave the baker and me a dream. This man in prison interpreted our dreams. And it was that I'd be restored, and here I am. And it was that the baker's going to have his head cut off, and that's exactly what you did. I mean, this guy interprets dreams. Well, Pharaoh says, call him here. So Joseph gets called out of prison, and he's now standing before Pharaoh, the most powerful nation in the world at that time, most powerful man in the world at that time. And there Joseph stands before him, and Pharaoh tells the dream. Joseph seeks God, gets the interpretation for the dream, says there's going to be seven years of plenty, better save up, going to be seven years of famine. It is the word of the Lord. And so, hey, that was that was good on one hand, but man, that meant bad news is coming. So again, integrity will not only say what is good and encouraging, 
Integrity will say, hey, and if you don't do this, this is how it's going to be. Or integrity will let someone know this is how it's going to be. You're not going to like it. You're not going to want it. But this is what you're going to face. Just like Scripture tells us as men, all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We don't like that. We don't want that. You don't want to believe for that. But we better be prepared for it. Because when we live godly, we're, we're going to be going like upstream. We're going to be going against the current, against the flow of what's popular and culturally acceptable. We're going to go upstream at work. We're going to go upstream as far as how we handle our family affairs, our financial affairs, our marriage, our children. We're going to be going upstream against the current and flow of our world. And so there's going to be persecution. Jesus said all, Scripture says, all who live Live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So again, integrity will give not only the good, admonishing, encouraging word, but it'll give the hard word, the difficult word, the one that you don't want to hear, but it's true. We need to be prepared. So here's what Joseph said. This is what the interpretation is. And Pharaoh said, hey, if God gave you the dream, then he'll give you the wisdom to administrate. And so he brought him out of prison. And so in 24 hours, he went from literally the prison to the palace. And I know there's a lot of preaching done on that, and that's, that's quite a message. But listen, it's not a fairy tale. It's history. It's our family history. It's your family history. It's my family history in God, in Christ. And the message of who Christ is to us is wrapped up in this story. And so when he's crying out on that cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. There is a great foretelling and prophetic imagery found right in Genesis 45. And I'm going to join you there. I had you turn there. And of course, if you're driving or doing something else, working out at the gym, you know, hey, you may not have a scripture in front of you, but just listen. And I'm going to join whoever can turn with me to Genesis 45. And here's where Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. Genesis 45, he reveals himself and he says this. Of course, his brothers have come to Egypt because there's a famine now. This is after the seven years of plenty. The seven years of famine hits, and now his brothers come you know, from Canaan land. They come to Egypt, and, man, they're needing food. Uh, their father Jacob sent them, and so they're coming to Egypt, and they find themselves in front of uh, Joseph, and yet up until this time, he'd been speaking through an interpreter. He'd been speaking you know, uh, to them, and they didn't know who he was, but then he decided to reveal himself. Um, and here's what happened in Genesis 45. Joseph could not refi- refrain himself before all them that stood by him. So he cried out, had every man leave, and there stood no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brethren. When Joseph revealed his identity to his brethren, and he wept aloud, even the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard such intense emotion. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am Joseph. Does my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled by his presence. They were freaking out when they realized who this man was. They thought Joseph was out of their life. They thought that dream was a joke. And here they were, and here they are now, bowing before him, just like the dream predicted, just like the dream predicted. 
They're now in his presence and they're dropping to their knees because he holds their life in his hands. What he does is either win or lose for them. It's either sink or swim for them. It's either life or death for them. And they're afraid it's not going to be good because they threw his life away. They hated him. They rejected him. They persecuted him. They were jealous of him. They were envious of him. And Joseph said to his brothers, verse 4, I want you to hear this. You say, well, man, where is this conversation gone? We're talking about removing the threat. Remember? If we're going to have effective communication conversation in our home with our spouse, with our boss, with our employees, with our friends and our family, people need to know they're safe. People need, even if it's going to be a hard conversation, even if if it's going to be something you don't want to have to reveal, you don't want to have to talk about, people need to know they're safe. They need to know that you only have their good in mind. You're not just irritated. You're not just put out. You're not just frustrated. You're not just ticked off. You're not just tired of dealing with it. If they feel any of that, they're going to feel afraid. They're going to feel like the ball's going to drop. Judgment's coming. The hammer's coming down. They got to feel safe. Otherwise, they'll they'll run. They'll hide. They'll they may talk, but their their ear of their heart is closed. The ear of their heart is closed. Joseph said. Come near to me, I pray you. So they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, the one you sold into Egypt. In other words, yeah, your eyes are not deceiving you. I am the one you threw away. I am the one you despised. I am the one you hated. I am the one that you doubted his dream. You doubted what God said. I'm him. Now, therefore, verse five, don't miss this, men. Don't miss this. Now, therefore, do not be grieved. Don't be angry with yourself. Because you imagine what they're feeling? Talk about regret. Talk about fear. Talk about anxiety. Talk about panic, confusion, all kinds of feelings flooding them right now. And he pushed through all of that and said, don't be grieved. Don't be angry with yourselves. For you did not sell me here or because he said, don't be angry because you sold me here for God did send me before you to preserve life. In other words, he didn't deny what they did and he wanted them to know I didn't forget. I know what you did, but something bigger is at work. Something bigger was going on. God was sending me before you to preserve life. And when Jesus hung on that cross and said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. He knew that God was sending him before all of us, before all of creation, all of humanity to redeem a posterity. He knew that like Joseph, God was sending him before us, sending him ahead of us. And yeah, one day we will all bow down. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess, but not to a king and Lord that is just this hard dictator, this terrible ruler. But we're going to bow our knees to love. We're going to confess that love is Lord. He said, you didn't send he said, you sent me here, but God sent me before you to preserve life. There's, there's still two more years of famine. 
Again, speaking truth, nobody wants to hear it, but he's telling them, hey, there's still two years of famine, because that's according to the word of the Lord. It's what God has said. There's yet um, five, there's been two years, I'm sorry, and there's five years left in which there's going to be no reaping, no harvesting. So he's letting them know that we still got five years of this. We still got five years of hard times. But God sent me before you to preserve a posterity in the earth, to save your lives by a great deliverance. If that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ, then I don't know what is. God sent him before us, men. And this is the message we take to our marriage. This is the message we take to our home. This is the message we live out every life. Who is Jesus Christ? He is a brother that knew what we've done to him. Yes, our sins put him on the cross, but he went to that cross knowing that as he took the penalty and the payment and the judgment for our sin, that his life was going to bring about a great deliverance. His life was going to be a great salvation. He was going to be the Savior of the world. He says, God sent me before you, Genesis 45, 7, to save your lives by a great deliverance. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. I don't know what that does to your theology, but I hope it causes your lot, your heart to come alive in Christ and the plan and the purpose. This is why at Family Mission, which is a you know an outreach marksman, is all under you know the ministry of Family Mission. But this is why at Family Mission you hear us say all the time, we're reviving the mission of love. What does it mean to take up our cross, men, and follow Christ? It means that we get under the mission of love. We realize that no matter what is done to us, God has a greater plan. No matter what develops, God has a greater plan. No matter how life goes, God has a greater plan. If we'll trust Him and we'll follow Him, we'll stay, we'll hold on to our integrity and hold on to our faith and not let go, He will work all things together for good. Romans 8, 28. He will work all things together for good. And in the end, the dream will speak. In the end, the word will be true. But Psalm 105, 19 says, until the time of the word of the Lord in Joseph's life, the, the, it says the word tested him. So our, our life is being tested. Our faith is being tested. But we have to remain true. We need to hold on. We need to be faithful men. Come on, we need to be we need to be true to God, faithful to God. And if you've if you've failed in any area, I have, we all have. Hey, God allows us to repent and to return home. God, the Bible says, though a righteous man falls seven times, yet he will arise. First John one nine says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful, He is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So don't stay down, don't stay out of the game. Get up, get back in. Get back into your marriage. Get back into your family. Get back into church. Get back into faith. Get back into your walk with God. God can work all things together for good. And in the end, like Joseph, you'll look back and say, hey, this all worked out for God's good. This all worked out for God's glory. And you'll end up bringing others with you. You'll bring your family with you. You'll bring your spouse with you. You'll bring your grandchildren with you. You'll bring your coworkers with you. You'll bring your neighbors with you. Your life is intended to affect others and to affect them and infect them with the love of Christ. Amen. Well, our time is completely gone. Man, God just opened up a gusher in my spirit today. I did not plan to talk about any of this. So I know 
with the unction that was flowing out of my belly, I know that he was reaching out and he was pleading with some of you today and he was encouraging some of you today, maybe even brought some correction to some of you today, but it was only love that was touching you. It's only love that is reaching out to you today. And so if your life has has been touched by the power of God. I just want to pray with you. I want to pray for you as we close out today's conversation. And I just thank you, Father, that you never, never, never touch us wrong. You never have anything but our good in mind when you speak a word and you release a word into our life. And so I thank you for every man that's listening to today's podcast. I thank you that you're working in their life. You're working all things together for good. And just like in the life of Joseph, it seemed like his life was going completely in the wrong direction. And yet in the end, your word came to pass. And whoever's listening to my voice today, no matter how far your life seems off the the path, off and out of the will of God, I thank you that as they're responding to this word and responding to the plea of the Holy Ghost, I thank you that as they just put their trust in you, trust in your love, trust in the blood of Jesus, I thank you that you're able to work and turn all things around together for good because you love them and that's the reason Jesus came. Men, I'm praying for you. Men, I want to hear from you. Shoot me an email, spellmanministries at gmail.com. I want to hear from you. I want to know how I can pray for you. I want to know how I can be believing God with you. I want to be in communication with you. So I want to thank you for being a part of today's podcast and program. And until we see you again, just want you to know, man, I love you. I'm praying for you. 